You are listening to Constructing Practice, a podcast from the Graduate School of Architecture, Planning and Preservation at Columbia University in New York City. I'm Dina Malandraus. Thank you for listening. I'm Juan Herreros, professor at Columbia GSAP and principal of Studio Herreros in Madrid. In recent years, we have witnessed a series of changes that redefine the traditional practice and lay the foundation of new types of architectural offices. On November 17, 2017, we hosted the symposium Constructing Practice at Columbia GSAP in New York City. This podcast series includes the 15 films who participated in the symposium and expands the conversation to include many others to tell us how they do what they do. Today we hear from Mitch McGowan of McGowan Studio in Princeton, USA. I came to Columbia uh, GSAP with pretty much no architecture background. I had worked briefly at a firm in San Francisco that did larger public projects in San Francisco. And some of my teachers who really influenced me there, other than Mark Wigley was just starting his position as dean, and so there was a major theoretical influence, but also Reinhold Martin and David Turnbull, and in some level also Hernan Diaz-Alonso. And I think I was the only one of my cohort who took, you know, Hernan Diaz-Alonso and someone like uh, Dave Turnbull or Reinhold Martin, also Ada Tola uh, and Giuseppe of Lotec. Um, and so really what I did in my graduate education was in a way try to synthesize or maybe just cobble together threads in architecture that really weren't talking to each other that much. And so by that, I mean the kind of competition with someone like Hernan Diaz-Alonso, and also this, the concern for the political potential of, of architecture that you find with someone like David Turnbull. So then my practice really began while I was working for others in a way that I think is, is typical in New York City. So I was working first for the city. I was an urban designer. And even though I graduated with a master's in architecture, because I also had done work in GIS and really my background in terms of working on social sciences undergrad gave me a, a lens to work on, on urbanism. So I worked as an urban designer for city planning, working on big projects in Queens, such as Hunters Point South. And then I worked at Bernard Schumi's office at Bernard Schumi Architects because they needed someone with experience in master plans to do projects in Abu Dhabi and Singapore, including Mediopolis, which has been under construction in Singapore for the past few years. But really the tradition where I started my practice was right before I got to Bernard Chimmy's office. I had started a gallery as a way of really collaborating with others in Brooklyn, and that was called Superfront. And so the first iteration of my of my practice was really as a nonprofit, and Superfront was a way of experimenting with artists, choreographers, performance artists, and other young architects when I was in my 20s to really test out what we could do with installations, with renovation of the space itself, and kind of setting up a framework to kind of educate each other and experiment, experiment together. In a way, my practice as an office is a kind of professional version of something that I've been doing for a while. And from Superfront um, through McEwen Studio and an office, the ways that an office collaborates are really coming from ways that I've been in collaborating with others, whether it's in the arts or sometimes sociology. Now that I'm an academic, I'm teaching at Princeton now, I'm starting to collaborate with colleagues in African-American studies, which is really exciting. Folks who do work between English and African-American studies. So in a way, collaboration in disciplinary terms, I think for me, it means not necessarily starting with architecture. 
I think one of the things that is really wonderful about architecture is its capacity to be active from a drawing, a word, a place. And in that way, it's incredibly porous, right? But we have this tradition of a concern for architecture for the sake of architecture that it can sound like it's operating in the artistic tradition of art for the sake of art, which is a way of kind of freeing art. But I think in our discipline, it is actually the idea of architecture for the sake of architecture is, is obfuscating something that is much more about tradition and much more about a kind of reification of a kind of European history. So I'm very skeptical about kind of architecture for the sake of architecture. So when I'm collaborating and within an office, it's something that is still kind of developing how something that is maybe more within an experimental practice can happen in a professional way. Uh, right now, one of the projects that I'm starting is for a landscape architect as the lead on a project in Detroit uh, that is for the city working on a large piece of the, the waterfront in a neighborhood just north of the waterfront that has a high vacancy rate. So in that way, the, the other collaborators and specialists are also historic preservationists. Um, it's a more kind of conventional architectural team. But there's also folks working on community engagement where there we're, we're talking about stories the community is telling. And even the word like community, I find it's a little bit dead when it enters our field. I like to collaborate with folks in the humanities and literature and the arts where there's not as much room for words to get stale and dead, where there's kind of fruitful experimentation around the stories that we tell and around how it is that we visualize or narrativize, you know, the, the realities that, that we live in. So right now, a project that's under construction that I have as a McEwen studio in Detroit is for a client who's an engineer at 3M who is working on reconfiguring a house that was vacant and he acquired it through the Detroit Land Bank Authority, which owns tens of thousands of, of vacant houses in Detroit. And the project is taking this house and really turning it into something that can operate as a piece of landscape in a new way. So that is to focus on flowers and other perennials within a part of the house that I've designed as, as an incubator. So it's taking advantage of the house itself being this kind of, in a way, a typical Detroit situation where it's wood, primarily wood structure, but it's an old brick veneer that then clads one wide. And, and so the rear of the house is the place where this brick veneer kind of falls off. So then the design uses the rear of the house to reconfigure a roof that can slope towards the sun, towards the south, and, and open up with just a polycarbonate frame, a new way of growing citrus tree, perennials, in a way where the client is looking at partnerships in the neighborhood with small businesses, a new pizzeria that's working on growing its own greens and that kind of thing. So that project is really coming out of work that I've been doing in Detroit for the past few years around how houses can be repurposed and how the kind of typical backyard and house footprint can be reconfigured to do things other than just support one individual sleeping and, and eating. There can be other kind of ways that just that unit can hook into an existing neighborhood. And then, as I mentioned, there's a larger project called Jefferson Chalmers is a neighborhood project that I'm working on with W Architecture as the landscape architect as the lead. And that's something I'm really excited about because Detroit as a city has so much territory that at this point, is basically open space. But one of the ways that I talk about Detroit and how I was teaching in the University of Michigan was that even the open space of Detroit, the basement is often the kind of remnant of the built 
environment that remains. It's very expensive to remove a basement. Basement's already hooked up to infrastructure like sewer lines. And so there's a way in which this kind of field of, of spaces and, and basements demands its own uh, collaboration between disciplines, between civil engineering, landscape architecture, and architecture, for example. So that's Jefferson Chalmers as a project that I'm, I'm just starting, where I'm very excited to not be the lead. I'm excited to collaborate with a landscape architect to really work on the neighborhood as a field with these points of infrastructure and, and sort of pieces of, of buildings uh, that remain, and then conceive of uh, how housing and other development can operate within that already dense field. So my concerns going forward, what I'm thinking about, my practice is still, even though I don't live in Detroit as of this fall, McEwen Studio is very much based in Detroit and an office is a collaborative of practices between New York and Detroit. Now that I'm in the New York area again, I'm really interested to kind of accelerate in terms of how this intelligence, this localized intelligence of Detroit might open up new possibilities of thinking the relationship between infrastructure, landscape and architecture in a way that is relevant beyond Detroit as well. This podcast was produced by Columbia GSAP. You may also be interested in the GSAP Conversations podcast series available on iTunes. You can find more information about the school on our website at arc.columbia.edu.